Welcome to Norm for Phonies, episode 62, a knitting, brackets, crocheting story. There we go. And uh, yeah, so Charles is going to talk about his knitting life, knitting, crocheting life. And you will join in at some point. I will. Uh, the green light moment. I want. I read this thing about green light moments, and I just wanted to talk share. to share it. A green light moment is being kind to our future selves. Thank you. I couldn't see because of your T arm. It's things in our life that affirm our way. They say, "Go, proceed, more, please, carry on." So those are the green light moments. It's the moment of I am enough and I know myself and I am satisfied with the path that I've chosen. I don't slow down for things that don't fit into who I am and what I value. I push through yellow lights when I maybe feel a little bit of fear, (laughs) right? right? Or whatever. And sometimes I red light to reflect and rebuild. That's a good analogy. Yeah, I thought it was really cool to just think about it in terms of like... Um, when you think when something just feels like the right thing to do and mm-hmm. you just kind of do it, like yeah. baking 400 loaves of Pasca for Easter, does that <laughs> feel like the right thing to do? Yes, it does. So, well, I would say more like two dozen, two do- more than two dozen at the end. Will there be more than two oh, dozen? Yeah. Okay. So, but that's all right. That's just part of what we'd like to do at Easter. Mm -hmm. So the book recommendation is the one you're reading, which I have not read. And it's called Mistakes Were Made, But Not By Me, in parentheses. And it's an excellent book, all about how when us humans make a mistake, we have a hard time admitting it. And sometimes we get so entrenched in the beliefs or the ideas or the opinions behind the fact that about why we made the mistake that we did that we keep digging ourselves deeper into into the mud <laughs> or for lack um, of a better does it, it ex- a does it the, explain i mean not that there's about politics but there's also like about people who believe that aliens are going to um that aliens have picked them up out of their vehicles and whatever. Okay. And then when it's been proven to them with why things happened on that particular day, like actually with sleep patterns and other right. scientific methods, they still justify it. Right. And, and maybe vaccine away. hesitation or oh, feelings yeah. about like that sort of stuff. Yeah. And even if you think, oh, well, maybe I'm wrong, but you're so entrenched and you don't want to. You can't back out of your belief system because then you have to. you've too deep into yeah. it. So, and there's a lot about cognitive dissonance and it's really, really good. Good. Okay. So mistakes were made, but not by me. And my podcast recommendation is kind of not on the same line, I guess, but no. kind of like about people who make mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's called The Authoritarian Personality. It was recommended by a friend of ours, Frank, and uh, by Nala Ayed. It's a CBC podcast, and it's It's one particular episode, right? Yeah, Yeah. It's so poignant right now because of all that's happening. You know, well, us just having come through the Trump era, Mm -hmm. and then it goes all the way back to Hitler, but it, it... goes through a lot of other things and it's 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 fascinating um there's a little quiz in it that we took (laughs) right how fascist you are how fascist you are Mm -hmm. so anyway i would highly recommend it the authoritarian personality by nala ayed on cbc podcasts
So, how did it begin? The knitting and the knitting crochet journey. Journey. How did it begin? I was ten years old and living in Colombia, and we took a vacation trip. It was like about a week to a more rural area of the country. And one day in the market square of the village we were visiting, I saw a whole bunch of, a whole bunch of shepherds um, and shepherdesses. And the women were tending the sheep and their kids and spinning yarn on drop spindles, which looks like a stick with a rock on the bottom of it. The primitive versions do. And the men were standing around knitting uh, ponchos and... Uh, book bags and things like that. And so I asked my dad, because I knew that working with needles and stuff was like, I had seen my grandmother do it, basically, and some of my mother's friends. Um, so I wanted to learn how to do that. And uh, so he got me a knitting teacher, which happened to be my grade four teacher at the time at the, sc the school I was at. In uh, Colombia. In Colombia. And he bought me my needles and yarn, and she started me going knitting. But I just re realized that I had learned to crochet earlier. <laughs> when? When I was four. I, my mom, I had chicken pox, so I was home from kindergarten, and my mom had a friend over, and my mom's friend was crocheting a hat. And I remember just watching her hands moving and this hat coming into being very fast. And I asked, what she was doing and she got out a hook and yarn and taught me how to do the chain stitch and how to single crochet and then I just probably played around with it for a little bit and when I learned how to read I remember my mom was making uh, table uh, placemats and I wanted to relearn how to do it she so was crocheting placemats place out of cotton thread okay Yep. Yeah, I could see that. Okay. In the 70s. It was yeah. yeah, 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 for sure. And um, and then so she taught me or reminded me how to do some of the stitches and gave me the book, that a spare book that she had there, and I started making doilies. And I think I did that for about a year. And now you just sold a doily? for Just sold the doily to Crochet World magazine. For like a lot of money. For a lot of money. <laughs> So anyway, sold, that's farther ahead I in the story. I sold the design, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the doily. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, so that was kind of the start. and then, But knitting really took off, uh, and I stayed with that for a good five years. Um, in my grade five class, I started an all-boys knitting club, Girls Not Allowed, and I taught all the boys in the school. And did kid boys came? Yeah, there was about six of us, and we wow. all... We all made headbands and wristbands because it was cool in yeah. the 70s to have these red and white wristbands. That's funny. <laughs> and then, of course, they all dropped interest. and But I kept going. And I, in, when I was in high school, there was a, an extra credit that I needed to fill. And I teachers said I could do a spare or I could do a distance ed uh, course. What's that called? What's called something else? Correspondence, correspondence course. Correspondence course. Back then, it back was called then. a correspondence course. No online learning no online back learning. then. <laughs> and I didn't really, well, I was going to do that. And then uh, two girls in my grade were had the same situation. So they were going to take home ec. And I said, well, what are you doing in home ec? 
And they said, well, we're going to learn how to knit. So I said, well, I already know how to knit. (laughs) (laughs) So I asked the teacher, could I learn how to design a sweater? Because I wanted to move on to sweaters. I had just been doing hats and slippers. And um, she said, well, I don't know how to design, but we'll find a book. And and then my math teacher actually uh, taught me enough trigonometry and algebra to do the calculations I needed. And I designed my first sweater at at 15. Wow. And then from then on, I was, I've always wanted to design. And you worked in a, when so did you work? So then I graduated high school, came to Canada at 18. And when I was 19, I worked in a yarn store for a year and a half. In Niagara-on-the-Lake. In Niagara-on-the-Lake. When they had a yarn store, which it's shocking now that they don't really have a no, yarn well, store. No, I remember for a little while there was yeah. that one and then they moved to Virgil and now they're not there yeah, anymore. Yeah, they're not. So, I think COVID kind of probably did no. them in. But So, um, yeah. And then... You went to university, knitting, 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 knitting. Knitting, knitting through university. Went, oh. I learned how to spin yarn on a spinning wheel and how to use a loom when I was in my early 20s. I took my spinning wheel with me to my master's degree in British Columbia. Right. And when I didn't want to do homework, I spun yarn. Uh, and I was always How knitting. responsible of you. Yes. <laughs> While knitting became my my refuge from and you did not knit me a sweater while we were dating because we dated so fast well there was something called the boyfriend we got married too fast well yeah i could have made a sweater in that period of time yeah but i I had you had all the sweaters that i had knit i wore a lot of your already knit sweaters and still wear them i had about five or six that were pretty decent and um there so is then, a, there was a myth called the boyfriend's curse, which is usually women don't knit sweaters for boyfriends because if you do, you break up with them uh, once you give them the sweater. So um, anyway, I didn't knit you one because I didn't okay. want that. And then we got married. Got married. And I, tried, I did not knit I tried to teach you. And that did not And work. that didn't. She threw the needle and yarn across the room. Yeah, I was not ready, apparently. <laughs> Anyway, and, and then not, we became and, uh, and spouses teaching each other things. I don't know. We, I got pregnant, and then you knit I for knit for Zachary, Zachary uh, uh, coming home. What's it called? Come home from the hospital outfit, a little outfit, little blue outfit. And then I stopped mm-hmm. for a long for time. A long time. We I had rabbits, busy. and I was collecting the rabbit at fur to spin. Yeah, but I didn't do anything with it for a long time, and then. When yeah. did you start again? I well, I again guess in when you when, in two thousand five. When you stopped, well, when I, I made that um, that little outfit for Eden for Franken. Oh, for Frank that was and the Colleen. first thing that I did after did all those years when Eden was born. Yeah, so I made well, that. Well, isn't sweater. that interesting? Okay, yeah. I never. So then of... that started my journey back again, and and then the internet existed, and people were blogging about what they were knitting and I and there was a community online which was better better and bigger than Facebook and still is better than Facebook but it's basically Facebook for knitters it's called yeah. Ravel oh, I was it's called say, Ravelry oh yeah it's called ravelry.com and so I was one of, in the first 1000 people to join Ravelry and I started posting my designs and I posted a hat pattern and a yarn company really liked it and they hired me to design for them. Right. And then so that I, and sort that was, of launched that was the, you, right? Launched me into designing. And then I met uh, all sorts of people uh, in the crochet and knitting community, community online. And 
I took a course on how to publish a crochet pattern in a magazine from a friend. Well, she became our friend, uh, Mary Beth. And, um, and then she talked to me about uh, tech editing, um, which is basically what I do for my day job teaching ESL and editing and marking essays. But now you're looking at a knitting pattern or a crochet pattern, and you're checking all the instructions for accuracy, punctuation, good math, all the rest of it. And so I started to tech edit for her and until I got better at it. And then I, she connected me with the rest of the industry. And then I started tech editing for yarn companies and other designers and, and eventually for publishers of books and magazines. Yeah. So I did that for 10 years, tech editing. Yeah. And still taught part-time. And I, well, yeah. And because I taught ESL part-time. Because that leads me into like the cautions of the creative career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, well, now with social media, uh, if you want to have a career, you have to become popular because the only way to make it anywhere is to have win the popularity contest. And that was just starting when I was doing my designing and tech editing. But that's why I went towards technical editing because that was a steady income and it wasn't I wasn't reliant on how many posts I did on Instagram and how cute I could do. And whether but it was time consuming and it wasn't super well paid. No. Exactly. So, so, I mean... And I do know people that make a living and for their families um, from this, but uh, they work 72 to 90 hours a week. It's a hustle. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's not it's not the easiest thing to do. And then no. if, you, if you lose popularity, your business can tank. Right. So it's... And the, when the young, the new young designers come along, mm -hmm. some of the old ones are neglected. Yeah. And I think as well, like I did some quilt um, blogging for a, a company mm -hmm. that shall not be named. Mm -hmm. And they were just cheap at paying. Like you yeah. create a whole quilt and you get next to nothing mm -hmm. for it. Like, yeah. And a, and a lot of... Like a whole blog. Yeah. You, you create a quilt block and write a whole blog and do a little video and you get 50 bucks. Yeah. Like that's, uh, although I've designed some things for a company in the States, Prime mm -hmm. Publishing, I will say. Yeah. Uh, we like sewing, which has mm -hmm. got lots of great stuff. If you're looking for sewing patterns and stuff and they pay very well, very well. That's very so, interesting. Like I work, uh, I, you just I, have to be really careful. Yep. Yeah. I, I now currently will design commissions for certain yarn companies or magazines because they pay well uh, and they don't rely on you being popular. They rely on you knowing how to write a good pattern and not be full right. of mistakes. Um, so, but it's still, it's time consuming because you have to make the whole thing, not just write the instructions. Yes. And, yeah. And I mean, now, well, I mean, now I do some of the um like you were hiring i was hiring sample makers and yeah now but now are... i kind of do that part because yep. i can because she's learned how to crochet too. and knit yeah so knitting you learned 10 years ago already is it mm -hmm. wow those so i started i started by if you're ever wanting to start knitting i started by doing uh garter stitch blankets huge ones 220 with... stitches across yarn held double so it's nice mm -hmm. and thick and then you just knit 
both and I've just kind of thrown all though, with all it, scrappy scrappy yeah, yarn just leftover yarns and I've I think I've thrown most all of those blankets away now oh, they yeah. were all well they were starting to get ratty yeah and, get ratty and frayed but I mean but it made her attention even and she could uh-huh. read and knit and watch TV and knit and now you can ride in the car and knit so pretty much yeah um, which is pretty funny because the first experience of teaching you to knit with you throwing the stuff across the room <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I thought okay. Well, that's it. we're gonna we're I, as the month go. I'm gonna post some of our projects awesome. and yep. things, and and a lot. If you go to the um, website, Ravelry or our your our site. own site, yeah, no like room for our, that there's a knitting and a crocheting section yep. to it, so you can look at yeah, some so of now our we projects and a lot more. Yeah, and he's gonna start posting a few more of his projects. Yep, on there. You know, he, you, so that you can kind of see. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I made sure I taught both our sons how to knit and crochet. And just because I wanted them to have the skill, I didn't expect them to actually ever develop a love for it. And they haven't, which is fine. Well, I and I mean, but I, I just at first them to didn't want to either. And then all of a sudden your life circumstances change and you have mm-hmm. more time on your hands, retirement, all that sort of stuff. And then you're like, yeah. happy and so tell for me it. what it's like when I'm knitting in public and a woman comes over and starts talking oh, to me. I am so tired of this. Oh, that's so interesting. Like, do you like? Oh, when did you like? You're knitting. Like, they're just like. Oh, it's very unusual to see a man knitting. And I'm like, and when if we're both sitting somewhere and we're both knitting or crocheting. People are just astounded that we're like, both of us are knitting. Well, and, you'll get all the, oh, aren't you lucky that your husband knits with you? And, and I'm like, lets well, you actually. Buy, and lets you buy yarn. And, and I'm <laughs> like, and I'm like, actually, he started and I jumped on the train. So, so Well, the funniest thing is because there's a lot of people in our generation who think that only gay men do knitting and crochet. Yeah. So they kind of look at the two of us. And when we had children around and we were both knitting, they were kind of like could not get their heads around no. this straight married man knitting. Knitting. But so, but I mean, crazy. I think our partnership. It's a dumb stereotype. I think our partnership in knitting and crocheting now is fun. We make a little. I think it's a lot of fun. We make a little and money. I'm learning a little bit about quilting and yeah. So from you, he's joining in with some of that. And I mean, I know the sewing machine, but I don't know any of the other stuff. So. Well, and I mean, it's just a matter of like, and you have an eye for color, and so quilting is a lot about that too. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you know, it's just it's a fun thing to think of, like in the next. I don't know, five or six years, you'll probably retire too. Yeah. And so hope. then we'll be, we'll probably continue to. Well, we just convert. It's now that we're empty nesters. We converted our one bedroom back. Well, the one room in the house back into a bedroom for us. And yeah. our old bedroom is going to become uh, an extension of the sewing room. Yeah. It'll be the weaving and knitting room. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to. You know, figure out what we want to do in there mm-hmm. and start, you know, having maybe a bit more yarn that's on display on display and stuff. So, yeah, we've got lot. I've got lots left to do because I have to start by moving everything out of the sewing machine, sewing room mm-hmm. and painting the floor. Yeah. So get that's that seems like an, there's a lot of stuff in the sewing room. There is. Mm-hmm. 
It's not mine. <laughs> anyway, there's a lot. I, all my yarn there's is in the, all my yarn of, is in the, in the in closet. There. But anyway, we we are looking forward to many many years of like having this as kind of our thing that we do. Yeah. And, and so knitting and knitting or crocheting is very good for uh, like as meditation for calming yeah. stress. Um, we often in the morning get up and we will might listen to something sort of. Um, Inspiring or educational. First, when we're having coffee in the morning, and we often are knitting when we do yeah. that, and it's a good calm way to start yeah. the day. And there are days when I know that there's a like it's, it's going to be a rough day at work or whatever. I will definitely make sure I knit two or three rows just to regulate my blood pressure. Yeah, it's a good. I'm down. yawning today because we um, we uh, moved everything. We finally finished the bedroom. We've been painting it and um, doing everything. And so I cleaned it and we moved all the furniture over today. So I am like tired. I'm tired. Yeah. I'm ready to. But anyway, it's a fun partnership. So then I just wanted you to talk a tiny bit about kind of the battle between, between knitting, knitting and, and crochet. crochet well, exists, in- right? And so if somebody thinks, oh, I'm going to get into this, and then all of a sudden they're like, somebody says something snotty to them yeah it's, then it's... it's kind of bizarre um knitters uh until maybe 10 years ago were were very much snobby about the fact that they knit and didn't crochet in lots parts of canada and northern u.s uh in europe the distinction was not quite so big of a deal Okay. And in South America and Nile. Well, and in our in our group. But there was a big status around uh knitting is for the the privileged mm-hmm. and crochet is for the underprivileged. Um there's several roots of those attitudes. Some of it goes back to the UK, but uh some of it goes to a very prolific uh author of knitting called Elizabeth Zimmerman and she talked about how the servants should be crocheting and that you know the that the the ladies of the household should be well, knitting and I, I also and say so I that was, started a big snobby right. snobism towards well and crochet. I also think that um crochet has advanced a ton like it used to be well, the, the granny, granny square, square. Yeah. and I mean now the granny square is back yes as it's kind, kind of, of like, like vintage vintage whatever but you know, I think in the beginning, crochet was fairly... Well, and, and people also ugly. associated the There's 1970s some... avocado green and yeah. bur- and burnt orange ponchos and mm-hmm. skirts made out of granny squares. Yeah. Um, or, I mean, the thing is, the doily and the lace is not very popular. It's still not really But I've back. knit, like I knit... Um, but all that lacy, frilly but stuff But all those isn't hoodies really for... Yes. All those little kids were all crocheted, crocheted. and you would never know. No, it might but, as well be But knit. you can whip them up yeah. so much faster. Yeah, crochet is way faster than knitting. Mm-hmm. Um, it uses, if it, if you're doing solid stitches, crochet does use more yarn than knitting, but that, that's not a big deal. Um, yeah, and so I there's mean, a bit of snobbery uh, around it. it it's fading, um, fortunately. Um, it's not the same. Well, and the other thing is the whole status of the kind of yarn like when we had oh, a when we went to a, a knitting a group. group it it was it got na- to me it got nasty and it got um uncomfortable for those people who really maybe couldn't like it was supposed to be a really wide open group for yeah. lots of people yeah. but there were some people who could afford nice a, yarn nice really nice yarn and mm-hmm. there were some people who could not so but i didn't care 
No. Because yarn we, is yarn. And for us. Yes, it has different uses. And, you know, if you're going to knit with uh, alpaca or cashmere, yeah, you're going to make something that you're going to not wash by hand. And it's going to you be. You are going to wash by I hand. Mean, you are only going to wash by hand. It's going to be treasured for 40 years. And versus washing, buying something, knitting well, if something I'm knitting with acrylic that's going to be washed in a washing machine. Cause well, kids and are also, well, that's what I mean. When I knit a baby blanket, I don't knit it out of cashmere because no, but there it are has the people. The yarn snobs are so snobby that they will make baby blankets out of wool, sheep's wool. I mean, there is washable sheep's wool that mm-hmm. doesn't shrink, but they insist that that's the only way yeah. to. So there's a bit of a. This like in all so parts status. of life, status. And I is went a thing. to some conventions uh, in the wholesale uh, knitting industry, yarn industry, and at the convention, I met people who were also doing um, rubber stamping and what's those card, the paper craft card with all the cards and scrapbooking. Scrapbooking. Okay. So the scrapbookers were looking down on the rubber stampers uh, as inferior, mm-hmm. and I could not believe the status around. And I think it just goes to people with money want to think they're special, so they make whatever handicraft they do special, special. and elevated and make the other people But feel. I mean, the bottom line is, like, I had at it's the just, bottom here, like, getting published, but you kind of talked about how you got published. Yeah. And you did do a book, an emoji Yes, I did book. do an emoji book, so... You can make blankets and a hoodie and pillows, and you can change the emoji face to what you want. It's yeah. It's all customizable. Yeah. So, I mean, um, but I think the main um, thing for us is that the enjoyment and the gift giving, right? Oh, there's this there's emoji book. book. So, if you're watching on video, you can see the cover of the book. Yeah. Um, for us, it's just a way to relax and... I mean, right now I'm knitting or knitting, crocheting. I knit some little you're, washcloths, and you're folding them I'm, into. I'm making them into bunnies. I have one right here. I yeah, should show that. Get them on the video. I'll show a bunny. That I so that's one thing about crochet is you can do a lot more three dimensional things with crochet really fast. Oh, I'm falling. You're right. Yep. There. Oh, where's the camera? Right there. Why can't I get it? Look there. There. See, there is the little bunny ears, and then back here. Oh. You have to move it that towards me. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I having such a hard time? Yeah. Back there is his little tail, bunny tail. So there it is, little uh, and then you bunny. take and then you off just the ribbon. Take and off the ribbon. It's a washcloth. So, so yeah, so crochet lends itself to three dimensional knitting. Can do three dimensional, but it's a pain in the neck. Yeah, and um, and knitting lends itself more to garments. Although things are changing, the better crochet designers know how to. Um, if anybody is a crocheter and you've never made a garment, all you do is use a bigger hook with thinner yarn and you're going to have the same drape as knitting and you'll have a really nice garment. And um, if you have questions or you want to like talk about or ask things about knitting, you can go on the website and there's lots of room for questions on there. Yeah. And send an email. So send an email, do whatever you want. And if you're looking for a pattern, we recommend Ravelry. Yeah. That mm-hmm. has and some of ours. There's that lots are of free. On... There's lots of free patterns on Ravelry, but yep. lots of pay ones to help the designers support yeah. your designers. And uh, also on our Norman for Phonies blog, yes, you can look at the knitting and crocheting mm-hmm. um, projects that, projects we've, done that we've done together or separately or whatever. Yep. But lots of times he designs something, I crochet or knit it. So, so what's your next big knitting or crochet project? 
What's yours? What's my next big? Well, I'm still working on that sweater. Oh, right. That sweater for yourself. For myself. But I I got distracted by... Um, I'm just trying to look up what the next podcast is because I didn't write it down. Okay. Um, because... So, um, you see this yarn? Tweed. This is going to become a baby blanket. Gray and peach and that's cream. pretty for a baby blanket yeah um yeah so i wanted i do want to finish that sweater i we're we're working on the sock project this yes, year two, so you're one sock a, behind i have lots of one sock wonders <laughs> i'm forcing him to finish so the i have second orphan sock. socks and i have to do the second sock for yeah about but four you're still them. yeah you're still one sock behind me yes you didn't get your march sock i didn't done. get my march anyway march. no march sock and i am got my first april sock almost done wow so i'll have to do my second april sock and then you're going to be so behind it's going to be so sad but oh well <laughs> hopefully you'll catch up Anyway, you can follow the sock project. That's online as well. And no room well. for, phonies, no room and for Instagram. Yep. So yeah. So our next. Um, so that's the knitting story. Yeah. A knitting story. A knitting story. And uh, the next one that we're going to do is a podcast called "Everyone Is Doing the Best They Can with What They Have." No. <laughs> no. That's not what it says. <laughs> Stop it. Because then you're judging. Oh, I'm so judgy. You're so judgy. Anyway, we're going to talk about that. Everyone is doing the best they can. I look forward to it. All right. Thanks for listening to A Knitting Story and a Crochet Journey. A Knitting Story and a Crochet Journey on Norm for Fomies. Fomies.